Mariah. CITR, where you'll hear none of those divas. CITR 101.9 FM, where the only divas you're likely to hear are Kathleen. Suck my left one! Diamanda. Lydia. Would somebody please inform the U.S. government that my uterus is not open to public debate? CITR 101.9 FM, your true devastation. Good evening. You're listening to Stereoscopic Readout here on 101.9 FM CITR in Vancouver, UBC Campus Radio. And Stereoscopic Readout is, as usual, your source for psychedelia, garage rock, freak, beat, acid, punk, folk rock, folk rock some prog, and other musically and socially relevant artifacts from 1965 to today. And that you started things off with Fred Latermo and the Sea Fun Classics from 1966 with his novelty hit, The Latermotion. And I'm going to get be getting to that a bit more in a second, but I'm going to end basically start off with the theme of tonight's show. I'm going to start doing, as you may recall, last year, 
my New Year's resolution was to play more songs by the band Love, which I kind of did, but that lasted about two months is all... New Year's resolutions usually do. It lasted a couple of months before I fell off the wagon. And then towards Christmas, because I knew Santa was watching, I had to start doing it again. So my New Year's resolution, which took me until the last week of January to come up with, is I should start formatting shows. Get a little bit more organization and focus to the show. So starting tonight is the sort of flagship formatted show and we're going to be doing Vancouver 1965 to 1970 part one this may also be the last time you hear me this month because starting next week is varsity sports playoff season so we may be preempted I don't know I will not usually find out until about the last minute so please bear with me but you've got me tonight you've got Vancouver 65 to 70 part one and you started off as I said with Fred 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 Latrimo Fred Latrimo being a DJ on CFUN at the time which was pretty much the youth oriented rock and roll station in Vancouver Fred Latrimo was he's still I don't know if he's actually still in the air but he's sort of a Vancouver institution as you may remember he's the guy who had a place in Hawaii a few years ago and got a certain premier of BC inebriated and then sent him merrily on his way only to get pulled over and charged with drunk driving by the Hawaiian Highway Patrol yes that Fred Latrimo um Back in the day, though, he was sort of uh, Red Robinson's main competition in terms of being the Dick Clark of Vancouver, as it were. Fred Latchmo did um, occasionally guest host on the CBC show Let's Go. Um, and I think later on in the 60s, he actually became Don McLeod, actually hired him as the assistant editor of the Georgia Strait back when it was a serious underground, very sort of, um, shall we say, revolutionary left-wing publication. (laughs) Anyway, Fred Latrimo and the Seafun Classics. The Seafun Classics being a Vancouver band called simply The Classics, with the Seafun tacked onto their name when they recorded that set in 66 eventually went on to become a band called The Collectors, whom you may be familiar with. The Collectors lasted until 1970. Yeah, The Collectors lasted until until about 1970 and then changed their name again to Chilliwack on the departure of vocalist Howie Vickers. But we will be hearing a lot more... Well, we'll be hearing some Collectors later on in the show today, and you'll be hearing a lot more of them in Part 2 whenever that ends up airing but for now we're going to take a trip back actually and it's a bit of a misnomer 65 to 70 we're going to actually start way back in the year 64 the beatles had just taken north america by storm and i think about this time record labels were starting to come up with the idea of folk rock as a how do you put it? Counterpoint? No, not counterpoint. Rebuttal, shall we say. Rebuttal to the British invasion. And one of the bands in Vancouver anyway, which sort of responded to the challenge, were the Chessmen featuring 
a very young Terry Jacks. And come on. There we go.
What is that? I know what that is. That's music. For 15 bucks, the Friends of CITR card scores you in-store discounts at Beat Street, Red Cat, Vinyl, Scratch, and Audio Pile. Support Vancouver's finest indie radio station and pick up your card today. What do you want to do with your life? I want to rock. And we are back on Stereoscopic Readouts. Look at Vancouver, 1964 to 1970, part one. And last two tracks you heard were by the Torm Northcott Trio. It's a couple of tracks I play quite a lot of, but they're very important because they represent, the Tom Northcott Trio really represents the folk rock sensibilities of what was going on in Vancouver by 1966. Tom Northcott, actually I'm getting ahead of myself. There's a lot of things you really need to consider when looking at why things happened the way they did in Vancouver. And Part of Vancouver's folk rock tradition centers around Robson Street, or the Robson Street scene, which, if you look at it today, seems about as far from anything resembling coffee houses and protest singers as you could possibly imagine. And it gets even weirder. <laughs> um, because post-World War II, there was a large influx of German immigrants to Canada. And originally, when they came to Canada, they tended to settle around the area of 49th and Fraser. But, of course, becoming more affluent, they started buying up property along Robson Street to such an extent that coffee houses and conditori along Robson Street gave it such a European flavor that it was unofficially renamed Robsonstrasse, which I think to this day is actually the name of a hotel on Robson Street. But the whole coffee house culture did make for a very big folk movement in Vancouver, of which Tom North excuse me, of which Tom Northcott was uh one of the leading lights, shall we say. Uh Joe Mock being another one, Sherry Ulrich and people like that. Tom Northcott put together the Tom Northcott trio with Cat Hendricks and Rick Enns. Cat Hendricks on drums and Rick Enns on bass the two of whom will be seen later in such bands as Mock Duck and Spring. Tom Northcott Trio did a sojourn down in San Francisco in the summer of 66, playing at The Matrix. They had a residency at The Matrix, which was a club owned by the Jefferson Airplane, or at least Marty Ballin, or some of the members of the Jefferson Airplane anyway. They did come back with um, that folk rock sound that you heard on the two tracks I played, Let Me Know and Just Don't. Tom Northcott would then head back to Los Angeles as a solo project being produced by Lenny Waronker in 66. And by the end of the 60s, he came up with local hits such as Girl from the North Country, Spaceship Races, etc., before the Tom Northcott trio, you heard the Chessmen from their only, well, actually, no, from their second single, released in 1964, but it's a pretty advanced, it's pretty, well, I wouldn't say advanced, but more like ahead of its time in a modest way, because it's certainly, if you look at the stuff that was on the U.S. charts when the Beatles hit, and the stuff that was being proffered as an antidote to the British invasion at the time, until the birds came along in 65, 
the Jessmen kind of precipitate that folk rock sound by about a year. Certainly they have more of a Mersey beat kind of feel to them. But the way you fell, the A side, made it to number two. It was a local hit, uh, made it to number two on C Funds charts in 1964, backed with the second track you heard, She Comes by Night, Chessmen featuring one Terry Jacks. On vocals, when the Chessmen broke up in 1966, Terry Jacks went on to a very lucrative a very successful solo career, first with the Poppy family, with his wife Susan Jacks. They had hits along the lines of Beyond the Clouds, Which Way You Going, Billy. Um, Which Way You Going, Billy was certainly their biggest hit. And then he went completely solo with the infamous Seasons in the Sun and Concrete Sea and tracks or singles like that. So speaking of Terry Jacks, actually, we also have, um, when the Chessmen packed in in 66, Terry Jacks went south to Los Angeles to further his own solo career. And this from History of Vancouver Rock and Roll, Volume 2, is the previously unreleased There's No Blood in Bone. What made you go? 
I'm Becky, and I host This Side of Monday on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. It's on air alternate Mondays between 6 and 7.30 p.m. and online at CITR.ca. I play all kinds of music, independent, local, but I don't even know how to describe it, so I had my friends do it for me. And it is the cutest pandemonium I've ever heard in my whole life. It's got lots of new music from around town. Becky Sandler's radio show is like a giant squid hugging three bears in a meadow. Becky's show will make you happy every time you hear it. It's just too cute and funny. It's like playing the game of life and sucking on a red lollipop at the same time. Did I mention cute pandemonium? That ship out there will be smashed to bits. Use your emergency equipment. It won't work. Nothing works. It's got to. It's no use. Everything seems to be stuck. My life's worth a try anyway. Come on, fellas. You can make it. Just listen to this. Spider-Man saves Freighter. You can't tell me the captain couldn't have brought his ship in without the help of that publicity-seeking show-off, Spider-Man. Don't get caught wasting power. Unplug cell phone, camera, and other battery chargers when charging is complete. Many electronic devices continue to use power even when you are not operating them. The amount of energy consumed by electronics in a year when they were not in use could power Whistler Blackcomb Resorts for 43 years. This Power Smart Play brought to you by BC Hydro Power Smart and CITR 101.9 FM. Baby, 
Baby, I could tell you never, never, never be true. You never, never, never be true. You never, never, never be true. Well, you never, never, never be true. Well, you never, never, never be true. Stereoscopic readout here on 101.9 FM, ZITR here in Canada. 
Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, UBC campus radio and its stereoscopic readouts look at Vancouver 1964 to 1970 part one tonight. Oh, that was quite a long set of music actually. Uh, started that off with some solo Terry Jacks and probably the, uh, the only Terry Jacks I'm likely to play other than one Pompey family song which may pop up in part two. To uh, Terry Jacks from, I think it's 1966, 66 ish. Yes. Shortly after the demise of his previous band, The Chessmen, that was There's No Blood in Bone, recorded down in Los Angeles. And I followed that with the Pacers. Now, the Pacers were not, they're not exactly a Vancouver band. They're from, they were from Prince George. But they do illustrate a very important and very big part of Vancouver's musical, cultural heritage of the time. And that is the Battle of the Bands phenomenon. The PE used to host Battles of the Bands. It was actually kind of the sort of thing which was all over the place in the 60s. I mean, there was a lot of that in uh, down in the States in conjunction with the summer fair market. Where did all that, uh, where's all that echo coming from? Anyway the summer fair market and they had battles of the bands in the UK as well they're not around so much anymore but um i don't know if seafox still does their seed series but certainly not to the extent that it used to happen back in the day the pacers won the 1965 peony battle of the band coming out on top ahead of 69 other bands so the grand prize was some recording time Excuse me, let me consult my notes. Recording contract with RCA Canada International for a single, and that's what you heard was I Want You Back. Kind of uh, not so much a beat single, but certainly it was a lighter version of the general Northwest sound. If you're familiar with that Northwest mid-60s sound as epitomized by the Whalers, the Sonics, the Kingsmen, etc. from Washington State and Oregon, Certainly, the Pacers fit in quite nicely to that category. After the Pacers, you heard the Shadrachs and Call Up the Man. The Shadrachs featuring a novelty at the time of having a woman or a girl, I don't know what age she was at the time, Miss Claudette Skritnik was on drums. And you heard Call Up the Man. And then two tracks after the break. And I'm glad to see that actually Becky from the other side of Monday has finally put together a promo for her show, so check that out. Uh, You heard two tracks by probably Vancouver's finest show band of that period, the Nocturnals. You heard You Lied and This Ain't Love. And that kind of illustrates what Vancouver's club scene was at the time. Bands like the Shadrachs and the Nocturnals, the Pacers, uh, a couple other bands you're going to hear coming up in a minute. Because this is the era before the discotheque hit the scene, uh, before you'd hire a DJ to play records, you'd hire a band to play sets, and probably have some records being played between sets, but the main focus was a band that had a good beat and could get people dancing. And the Nocturnals were certainly one of those bands. The Nocturnals lasted quite a while. Um, None of my notes here. They certainly lasted until... Where are we at here? Do, 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 do. 
Well, they lasted from at least 65 through to 68. Uh, They evolved with the times, uh, bringing in hits that they could play, playing their own original material at places like Oil Can Harry's and the Grooveyard out in New Westminster. Um, But certainly they, they evolved until the whole psychedelic ballroom era when people actually started start stopped dancing and started sitting down and listening to bands play really long-winded guitar solos but we're going to get to that <laughs> if not later in the show then in part two but certainly that was an era when uh, we haven't seen actually we're starting to see something the likes of it again with the granville strip but if it you know back in the day Back in my parents' day when they would go out, going downtown meant going to the area around Maine and Hastings, which was certainly a lot classier than it is now. But it was like the Granville Strip of its day. It was it was row upon row of, well, essentially R&B clubs, places where you could see live bands. Into Gastown, the Lamplighter was still there. You had places like, um, well, the, the Smiling Buddha Cabaret was there. You had the Birdland, Danceland, the Harlem Nocturne, the Hollywood Bowl, the Shanghai Junk, uh, the Delhi, which is supposed to be Delhi, but they called it Delhi, the Kublai Khan, and the Embassy Ballroom. And it's over on... Um, Oh, it's over on Davy Street. You had the Empire Ballroom, uh, where Celebrities is now, and where the Retinal Circus would end up. But that's again coming later in the show. Where was I going? Yes, <laughs> lots of live bands, lots of live clubs, lots of places to go back in the day. But of course, times changed, and the Nocturnals weren't really able to evolve to keep up with the times. However, a band that did evolve to keep up with the times were Haney's The Northwest Company, Haney being a what is part of what is now Maple Ridge. And to start off this set of complete Northwest Company tracks, this is 8-Hour Day. <laughs> Money. 
Back with you on 101.9 FM CITR. That was the Northwest Company, Maple Ridge's favorite sons. Um, Northwest Company had a few singles out. I mean, they did release singles regularly into the early 70s, but they're one of the, they're a band that doesn't really feature very much on the local poster art of the time, certainly for the Afterthought or the Retinal Circus, as it was certainly not to the extent that bands such as the United Empire Loyalists or Mindel Ringwood, and that's because Northwest Company made their living on the road. Um, the last track you heard was Time for Everyone. That was released in 1968 and was probably their biggest hit. Uh, certainly it was their biggest hit to that point. Um, started that set with Eight Hour Day, followed by Get Away From It All and Hard To Cry. All songs recorded in the 66 to 67 time frame. But the Northwest Company, their their bread and butter was touring, playing local dances and high schools and things like that from Victoria all the way out to Grand Prairie, Alberta and quite literally every point in between. And like I said, they would last until into the early 70s. And that was kind of the fate that a lot of Vancouver bands kind of had to resign themselves to to make a living was once the psychedelic ballroom era hit Vancouver there was still a market for danceable music all through the BC interior and into Alberta. And it's where bands like the Northwest Company managed to survive. I'm not entirely sure where this next band or how this next band managed to survive, but certainly they did make the most of their tenure as a, as a, uh, as a show band in the 65 to 66 period. And we're talking about the Shockers who didn't record very much and what they did record were covers they were a covers band but i mean that was a very staple part of the show band era was playing the big hits from britain and the states anything danceable that would get the crowd moving and of course drinking was the order of the day and the shockers their one a side that they have left us with is a cover not quite naturally of what's that band Steve Winwood, damn it. Was Steve Winwood's first band? Uh, I don't know, Yardbird? The something, so, <laughs> something something group. Oh, I'm blanking on this. Give me a second. Michael Schenker. No, not Michael. <laughs> yeah, the Michael Schenker group, of course. Crap. The Alice Cooper group. No, it wasn't the Alice Cooper Spencer Davis group. There we are. Somebody help me by the Spencer Davis group.
The Collectors on... Stop that. The Collectors on 101.9 FM CITR. The show is Stereoscopic Readout, and we're into the last 20 minutes of our look at the history of Vancouver, or the music scene in Vancouver from 1964 to 1970. 
part one. I think we've got up to 67 at this point, but uh, fear not. I know I'm jumping around quite a bit, but it's kind of going in a linear fashion, except that not in a strictly linear fashion. And we'll get back to the describing the collectors in a bit, but we're going to start off uh, describing what I were sort of running through what I've already played. The Shockers, we started that set off with two tracks by The Shockers, both cover versions, um, a cover of Spencer Davis Group and Somebody Help Me, and then a cover of New York's The Young Rascals with Love is a Beautiful Thing. Followed that with William Tell and the Marksmen from 66. You heard Mary Jane. Obviously referencing something that could not be talked about directly on the radio back in 1966. Yes, that is uh, the inspirational qualities of the um, herbal jazzy cigarette, so to speak. Uh, The William Tell and the Marksman, actually two members of William Tell and the Marksman, Lindsay Mitchell, the guitar player, and Jeff Eddington, the vocalist, would go on to form... Vancouver's legendary Seeds of Time later in 66 once William Tell and the Marksman broke up and we will be hearing more from the Seeds of Time in part two whenever that airs because a reminder is that we are now into varsity sports playoff season and your listening schedule for Thursday through Sunday is likely to be interrupted on very short notice so I can't guarantee I will be on the air next week at 6 p.m. as I normally would be but certainly when I am back on the air you will hear part two and if you happen to miss it there's always the podcast feature on citr.ca but um, yeah after William Tell and the Marksman we heard a kind of a one-off single by a Sort of a folk supergroup in Vancouver, the Eternal Triangle, and that was where are we at here. Yeah, the Eternal Triangle was basically a. It was kind of a vocal supergroup comprising Howie Vickers of the Collectors, Tom Northcott, whom we've also already heard tonight, and Susan Pesklovitz, who is about to marry Terry Jacks and be known as Susan Jacks and go on to a career with the Poppy family and then a fairly successful solo career in the early 70s. That was My New Love, which was really backed by Watch Me Go. Sorry. It was the second B-side to the A-side, It's True, out on the New Syndrome label. And then two tracks by The Collectors, and that is a real oddity. That was never, those are demos. Um, Started with Don't Feel Bad, and then the last track you heard was Eyes. Very, really oddity in Vancouver in as much as you do get to hear the transitional phase that the collectors were in. They'd only just changed their name from the classics to the collectors. You'll recall hearing the classics right off the top, backing Fred Latrimo with the Latrimotion. Don't Feel Bad certainly has the show band era of 65, 66 written all over it. And then Eyes is off on the direction that they would follow with after being signed to a Warner's subsidiary. I can't remember what the exact name of the subsidiary was in 67. So it's a real interesting docu- sort of musical document to see where the band had been and where they were planning on going to. But in other respects, it's also very strange because Don't Feel Bad has a lot of R&B written all over it. 
whereas Eyes is more folk rock, certainly nudging into psychedelic territory using sort of imagery which isn't normally, well, certainly wasn't focused on, no pun intended, in uh, popular music until 66, but uh, the, the raft of bands coming over from Britain, you know, such as, you know, like the Freak Beat bands, where the Beatles were at, where the Rolling Stones were at, the Yardbirds, the um, God, the Easy Beats, even the Who, where those sounds were leading um, the rest of the world, and certainly Vancouver in a new direction. Um, but in terms of having a band that could cover all that much ground, it was also very unusual because the two camps in Vancouver, there was the R&B fans and there were the rock and roll fans and never the twain did meet unless uh, it was in a rumble somewhere out in the street. Uh, you know, Britain had the mods and the rockers. I've heard from people who were around at the time. Vancouver had the hippies and the greasers and the greasers obviously being the R&B crowd and the hippies are probably were mods were more mods at the time in 66 and into 67 but certainly there was that animosity between the two camps and it was rare to find somebody who actually admitted to listening to both genres of music there we go carrying on we are now edging into 1967 and of course the end of or sort of the twilight of the show band era because you had a new generation of bands that were coming through playing dances and also playing the new psychedelic ballroom the afterthought on fourth avenue the afterthought sort of the brainchild of jerry cruz manager of the united empire loyalists started out uh there's a church at granville and 27th i don't know which one it is it started off in the basement there as sort of a youth-oriented folk sort of hangout folk music oriented hangout um but by 66 it had moved into the pender ballroom which is sadly not there anymore it is a gigantic hole in the ground after having burned down in 2001 the pender auditorium obviously on pender upstairs it was an old labor hall and that is in the summer of 66 where the grateful dead played with naturally the united empire loyalists backing them up but that set the scene. That was Vancouver's introduction to the sort of Vancouver's version of the Fillmore, or probably more accurately, the Avalon Ballroom. The afterthought would then move to the Russian Community Center, which I believe is at 2114 West 4th. Where are we at here? Kitts Theater. Yes, 2114 West 4th. It's still there. I think there's even uh, a local wrestling competition coming up if you want uh, curious to see it, see what it looks like in there. But uh, that was actually where the epicenter of Vancouver's hippie community was because right across the street was the psychedelic shop in 66. And of course, this is ground that I'm going to cover more in part two. But to take us out of tonight's show, uh, these are actually should. Yeah, there we go. But taking us out, taking us out of the garage rock era and into the psychedelic era, this is the one way street. I'm 
to the last five minutes of stereoscopic readout on this thursday on 101.9 fm citr that was the self-portrait um not a band that i don't know very much about but their track he's a man kind of fits in very nicely with the two previous tracks by vancouver's one-way street listen to me and tears and as i said we're approaching the end of the garage rock show band era and going into the psychedelic ballroom era which is going to be where we lead off on part two of vancouver's 1964 to 1970 um so yeah that's pretty much it for me this week i let me see again probably preempted next week if not next week the week after or maybe both weeks i don't know but tune in anyway if you hear sports coverage. Um, listen, could be interesting. It's the only place that you're going to hear live sports coverage of any UBC varsity team in Vancouver anyway. And um, until then, uh, keep checking the podcast if you miss it, www.citr.ca. Go into the schedule and podcasts menu and Thursday, 6 to 7.30, stereoscopic readout. There's a little orange button link button and that will lead you to the podcast menu which i'm happy to say has now been expanded to include every show i've done since uh we started on the air back in may of 2007 it's been two years so that's it for me this week i'm leaving you with a band called winter's green or they were variously referred to as winter's green or the winter greens a few members of the band went on to in the late or in the mid 70s to form <laughs> I'm going to joke even saying this. <laughs> Went on to form Trooper. <laughs> yes, Trooper. That is the closest you're going to hear come to hearing that band on CITR. But it's a good track. They are asking us the musical question, are you a monkey? I believe in evolution. Anyway, that's it for me this week. Thank you.
Is it all so clear to see? Intelligence in me Are you a monkey? Have you never had the urge to kill? Is the hatred creeping still Inside you It's important that you have seen 